Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Fibrodysplasia falsificans progressiva, or FOP, is a disease that slowly and irreversibly turns people into solid bone. The disease basically imprisons the entire body, back to front, top to bottom. Ligaments, tendons, and muscles solidify as the body becomes hard as cement. The rogue gene of FOP has one goal, and that's to slowly harden the body until it's dead. As we continue our series, Witnesses to Christ, tonight we meet Pontius Pilate. Pilate is arguably one of the most notorious people in history. Every time we confess the Apostles' Creed, we say these words, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. We could say that Pilate had an acute case of spiritual FOP. Only in Pilate's case, the gene went straight to his heart. Back to front, top to bottom, And spiritual FOP has one goal, and that's to slowly harden our hearts until we're spiritually dead. As it does that, at first, we don't really notice it. That's the tricky part. At first, our our priorities are just a little mixed up. But then, very slowly, and, and before we know it, we stop praying. We stop repenting. We stop trusting Jesus. Then the day comes when words such as Jesus, Holy Communion, Bible study, baptism, worship, and Easter have no impact on us whatsoever. That's because spiritual FOP has one goal. Again, that's to slowly harden our hearts until we're spiritually dead. And Pilate knows that full well. According to a Latin inscription found in 1961 on the Mediterranean coast, Pontius Pilate was Roman governor of Judea for 10 years, from A.D. 26 to 36. Pilate was from a middle-class family, and that's important in his story, that he was from a middle-class family. Pilate served the Roman army in Germany. And one year, while on leave in Rome, he married an upper-class woman named Claudia Procula. And Claudia was the granddaughter of Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor. The granddaughter of the Roman emperor. Pilate has it made now. He's in. And because of that connection, Pilate gets a position that he would never have gotten any other way. Governor of Judea. That's how Pilate got to where he was. Now, as we pick up on Thursday of Holy Week, we see the posse led by Judas Iscariot arrest Jesus on Thursday night. Jesus then stands trial before Annas, Caiaphas, and finally before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court. And they accused Jesus of blasphemy because blasphemy was punishable by death. There's only one problem with that, though. The Jews can condemn a man to death, but they can't carry it out. 
And so before Jesus can be executed, the Jews must get Pilate's consent. That's Pilate's part. Famously and for the ages, that's Pilate's part. That's what John says in John 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They brought Jesus to Pilate. It's about 6 a.m. And they're all there. The chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, all of them. And they have Jesus right where they want him. And soon, they'll have Pilate right where they want him. To begin with, Pilate just asked a few of the basic routine questions, like, What's, what has this man done wrong? And the Jews, they don't answer directly. They don't answer directly because there's no Roman law against blasphemy. The Jews can't say, this man claims to be the Messiah because Pilate would have just waved his hands and that would be that. After all, Roman history tells us that Pilate didn't like the Jews. Pilate didn't understand them. And Pilate certainly didn't waste his time in religious debates with the Jews. And Pilate's heart, we see, becoming harder by the minute. And so Pilate questions Jesus. He asks, are you the king of the Jews? And the all-important question there, or the all-important word in that question is king. King means one thing to the Jews, Messiah. And it means something completely different to the Romans. It means military ruler to the Romans. And Jesus answers Pilate saying, you say that I am a king. Which means, yes, I'm a king, but not the king that you're thinking of. But the chief priests, they want to confuse Pilate into thinking that Jesus is some kind of revolutionary leader and thus a threat to Rome. That doesn't work. Because Jesus tells Pilate in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. Then he tells Pilate, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And that's where Pilate famously and cynically responds, what is truth? Pilate's heart is becoming as hard as cement. So Pilate has Jesus scourged just short of death. But the crowd, of course, wants more. They want Jesus killed. And so the Jews then play their trump card. They say to Pilate, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. And Pilate knows exactly what they mean. Because the Caesar, the king named Tiberius at the time, was sick. He was always always suspicious and often even violent. Roman historians tell us that Tiberius could turn on his underlings and be completely savage. And so Tiberius wouldn't like getting news about a riot in Judea, especially when Judea's governor was appointed only because of his family connections. After all, Pilate was just middle class. And so the Jews blackmail Pilate, pure and simple. And we see that it works. 
If the choice had been between Jesus and the Jews, Pilate would have just let Jesus go. That's not how the Jewish leaders frame the issue here. Their blackmail makes it a choice between Jesus and Rome. And so that's Pilate's big predicament. The Jewish blackmail makes it a choice between Jesus and Rome. And we know that people will do many things to save their job, to save their status, to save their reputation. People will do many things to save their own skin. Even as we see in Pilate's case, crucify an innocent man. The Pilate asks, shall I crucify your king? But we know that this king isn't the military type looking for battle. No, this king is the suffering type, the bleeding type, looking for us. He's the king who cleanses sin-stained hearts. The king who heals deep brokenness. The king who calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The king who triumphs over death. The king who knows the exact place and time of his execution, but still goes there willingly for us. The chief priests we see answer Pilate saying, we have no king but Caesar. And here Pilate sees things getting out of hand. A Jewish riot would end Pilate's political career. So he caves in. Pilate has Jesus executed. Nailed to a cross by his hands and feet, lifted up to hang, suspended between heaven and earth. Why did Pilate do it? His heart had become hardened. And we see here throughout this account uh, a pattern. A pattern of what's in it for me. That's what we see throughout John 18 and 19. What's in it for me? Pilate is climbing the ladder of success. And we see he only cares about himself and is willing to trash anyone and everyone who gets in his way. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's a pattern that we fall into as well. If we're honest with ourselves, we see that we're not much different from Pilate. Our simple nature also says, what's in it for me? We oftentimes look out for number one instead of looking to help others. And that's a recipe for a hard heart. And a hard heart is like a wrecking ball. It mangles marriages, it kills kids, and it finishes off family and friends. Spiritual FOP is killing us. And so the law asks ourselves, is your hard heart, is your heart hard? Is it callous? Is it insensitive, indifferent, dead? The good news is that it's not too late. It's not too late for us. For our Heavenly Father creates in us a new heart, a clean heart. A heart that is spiritually alive, is renewed. 
He molds our stony hearts back into life. That's his promise to us. That's his promise in Christ Jesus. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will give them one heart. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. That's God's promise to us. As we repent of our sins, thought, word, and deed, of hardening our hearts and looking out for ourselves, we have that wonderful promise of forgiveness in Christ, who gives us new hearts, renewed hearts, living hearts, that, that equips us to live as his people, sharing his love and forgiveness that are our gifts from Christ. Amen.